typically on a Palm Sunday, we usually talk about the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into uh, Jerusalem. And I, I shared with you about that journey through the eyes of the disciples a few weeks ago. Because today, I wanted to share with you all something I'm calling a study on lambs. As we continue to march to the cross, and we begin this study on lambs this morning, I think in order to understand the significance of Christ being the final sacrificial lamb, we have to back up to the beginning. I mean, kind of like, not way back all the way to Genesis beginning, but back to where it all started with the birth of Christ. In my opinion, one of the most powerful statements in the biblical narratives on the birth of Christ is the claim made by the angels to the shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem. Luke records it this way in Luke chapter 2 verses 10 through 12. He says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. It was in this first declaration of the good news of the redemptive gospel of Jesus Christ. And, it, and it's amazing to see that this first statement was made to Israelites outside of the immediate family of Jesus. This information was not even given to religious or political rulers of Israel. But God saw fit for it to be given simply to shepherds keeping their flocks. Uh, the shepherds' fields outside of Bethlehem are, are written about by the Jewish historian Eusebius. Uh, they're linked, he linked these fields to a unique biblical location called Migdal Eder. Migdal Eder is translated means the tower of the flock. The first time that it's mentioned in the Bible is in the account of Rachel who died after giving birth to Benjamin, the youngest son of Jacob. Genesis 35, 21 says, Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. Uh, this area on the outskirts of Bethlehem is also mentioned in the Talmud. According to the Talmud, all of the cattle and sheep and goats that are found in the area surrounding Jerusalem as far as Migdal Eder were deemed to be holy and consecrated. And could only be used for sacrifices in the temple. In particular, sacrifices for the peace and Passover celebrations. And there was like this special consecrated circle around the city of Jerusalem and this tower area. That, and what this means is that the shepherds in the field of Bethlehem who first heard the good news from the angels, they weren't just ordinary shepherds. They served the sacrificial system of the temple. These men served the Mosaic Covenant, the Law of Moses, which was a foreshadowing of the New Covenant to come through Jesus Christ. Now think about this. On the night that Jesus was born, these shepherds were confronted with the reality of the eternal light to which their ministry had been pointing to all these centuries. This message from the angels, it was declaring a new era of salvation was coming. Uh, the Hebrew prophet Micah also refers to Migdal Eder in Micah 4.8. He says, And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter Zion, to you shall it come. The former dominion shall come. Kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. And based on that prophecy... Prominent Jewish writers concluded in the Midrash that from all the places in Israel, it would be Migdal Eder where the arrival of the Messiah would first be declared. This means that when the angels appeared that night to the shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem, it wasn't just a declaration of the good news to some random simple shepherds. This was a powerful prophetic sign from God to all of Israel 
The news that night must have spread like wildfire through the surrounding villages. The Bible actually tells us that the shepherds went and shared all they had seen and heard that evening. And so some things I'd like to connect with you today as we move forward in our study on lambs is this. First of all, I think it's beneficial for the church to see that Jesus did not arrive into a vacuum. He was born into an entirely Jewish context. When, when he came in the flesh, he was born first and foremost to Jewish people, but then also to bring his favor and good pleasure to all men. And even though the celebration of Christ's birth has become a well-marketed celebration in our worldly traditions and cultures, I think it's important for us to see his birth in its historic and biblical context as we continue to talk about his death in our study on lambs. You see, the intended message that God sent the angel with was to give hope to the world. And from the moment Jesus entered the world, the ultimate reason for his arrival was alluded to. The angel told these shepherds, they, they were the shepherds who took care of the sheep offered in the temple. In particular, as I said, the Passover sacrifices. They would, they would take these baby sheep and they would inspect them from birth to see that they were free of blemish, that, they were, that their, their, their coat was all one color, that they had no markings, they had nothing that would, would make them unworthy as a sacrifice. And they would swaddle these baby lambs and then they would take them to where they would be raised until it was time for the sacrifice. And the message they're given is that they would find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, born in this same area, who would save mankind, who would bring hope for all of us for eternity. These shepherds are making this, this connection. This announcement that, that, that they were given, that, that the ultimate sacrifice, which would carry away not only the sin of, of them, but the sins of the whole world, and he was born. Think about this. Roughly just 33 years later, no further sacrifice was to be needed. Hebrews 10.10 10 tells us, And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This angelic announcement gave these simple shepherds a profound revelation of who the Messiah would be. He was proclaimed to be both king because he was born in the city of David and priest. He was... He was both Christ and Lord. He was the Son of Man, but also the Son of God. And he would indeed be the Savior of humanity, but also he would be the shepherd of all of those who would follow his voice. And ironically, this shepherd would also be our sacrificial lamb. This was truly good news that the angels proclaimed that night long ago. But as with the shepherds, mere knowledge of this is not enough. The shepherds had a part to do. They had their part. They needed to act on this good news that had been given to them. And they did. They went personally, first off, to see the child that had been born. And then they went and proclaimed his birth and this message from the angels wherever they could. We also need to do our part. We need to follow the example of the shepherds of Bethlehem and rededicate our lives to our great Savior who was born that night. He is the shepherd of our souls. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is good news indeed. And, and it was foreshadowed by Moses before the Hebrews would leave Egypt. It was explained in Exodus chapter five verses or chapter twelve verses five through seven. These were the requirements for the sacrificial lamb. Listen to this. He says, "Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old, and you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight." Then you shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Think about the things that I've shared with you as we begin to talk about the death of Christ now. You see, a sacrificial lamb could have no defects. They had to have a solid coat. There could be no, no signs of damage to their skin. Their eyes, their nose, no bugs or infestations. They had to be healthy and perfect. The sacrificial lamb was man's attempt to give a perfect offering according to God's plan. The sacrificial lamb had to be a male from the first year without blemish. And then on the 14th day of the beginning of the year. Uh, by the way, that's why Easter moves every year. In those days, the new year began in spring rather than in January. It was the Caesars that moved the calendar and messed up the calendar, in my opinion. You see, spring was considered the new year because of new beginnings. The coming out of the death of winter. It was always two weeks after the full moon of the vernal equinox. That's when Passover would be remembered and celebrated, which was the 14th day of the new year. And so for our study on lambs, we've talked about these birthing lambs in the Tower of Megdal where they, they came and they were inspected by these shepherds and they were wrapped in swaddling cloths and they were taken to another location where they would be raised for sacrificial purposes. And, and, and the sacrificial system. And we talked about the requirements for the Passover sacrifice. These same lambs had to be without blemish. We talked about the... Um, in the, the exodus where the blood of the lambs was painted on the doorpost and above the doors so that those in the house would be passed over by the angel of death and saved by God. And now fast forward almost 1500 years from that point of the exodus and we find ourselves in the narrative that we've been talking about in this series all through uh, the March to the Cross series. And in our study on lambs we have the Son of God who is the Good Shepherd. He was born among the sacrificial lambs for the temple by location. He's being condemned to die. He has been accused of blasphemy. He's been accused of a crime punishable by death. Death on a cross. Isaiah chapter 53 declares everything we've talked about this morning. Listen to this and meditate on it this week and consider these words. Isaiah said, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquitted with, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has been born 
Uh, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with him his stripe and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one my servant make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death. And was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many. And makes intercession for the transgressors. And there it is. A study on lambs. Through the lens of the birth. The life. The trial. The beatings. The sacrifice. The death. The blood and the burial of Christ. Just as Isaiah prophesied. He was laid in a borrowed tomb. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. And he brought us the gift of life. He brought us the gift of forgiveness. He brought us the gift of salvation. And we thanked him for it by taking his life. And laying him in a borrowed tomb. But thankfully for us. The story doesn't end there. See, you need to consider your part in this narrative. We are called to be holy as Christ is holy. And so as we come to our response time this morning, I would like for, for us to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 23. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy. You also be holy. In all your conduct. Since it is written. You shall be holy. For I am holy. And if you call on him. As father who judges. Impartially according to each one's deeds. Conduct yourselves with fear. Throughout the time of your exile. Knowing that you were ransomed. From the futile ways. Inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot.
He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. As we come to our response time this morning, I want to challenge you to respond both in deed and in action. We've been given a unique opportunity with COVID-19, with new orders to shelter in place here in Alabama, as, as most cities and, and states are doing. And I understand that doing everything from home can be challenging. Working from home can be challenging. Students studying from home can be challenging. Parents just staying at home all this time can be challenging. I understand that even introverted people can get tired of being alone. And so I want you to take what we've talked about this morning, our study on lambs. Take these verses that I've used because your response is simple. I want you to use them. Take time each day to reflect on the birth the life and the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God, the final sacrificial Lamb. His response to God's plan was that He willingly died for us. Our response to God's plan should be, should be that we will live our lives for Him and make Him a priority in our lives. No matter what's going on in our community, no matter what's going on with our culture or in our world, Let's respond to God's word by making him a priority this next week. Will you join me in listening to our response song this morning and decide how you will respond to the Lamb of God?